Good morning. On today's Money Not Math conversation, we aren't really talking anything about money. Um, but I, uh, after the conversation I had with Tate a few, about three weeks ago now, I think May 6th we had, we last talked, um, we, it, we enjoyed the conversation so much and there was so many more things to dive into that we just felt like we had to have a follow-up conversation and hopefully uh, for everyone who takes the time to listen and, and join us, you, you get value out of it. Um, so thanks again, Tate, for coming back for another follow-up uh, Money Not Math, which really it's more about your business and exercise, but I title it Money Not Math, uh, conversation. Well, thank you, Drew. And I mean, you talk about uh, the wealth of health, like it's, it all factors in. So you can I like relate. That. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. Wealth of health. That's good. Um, so good. So basically, um, and I'll include the link for anyone who didn't see the, our first conversation. Uh, but the first conversation we had on May 6th was mostly focused on why you do what you do, how you do it, and what you do from a CrossFit Great North perspective in your business. Um, and a lot of it was on the physical, you know, advantages of being healthy, right? How to be healthy, you know, exercising, things like that. Um, and I believe, and it won't be the whole thing, but I believe a lot of our conversation today is going to be a follow-up on that, but also another perspective of how physical exercise and being physically healthy also impacts our mental health. Does that sound about right to you? Certainly. Perfect. So, the first question, and it might be the most important, but I, I rewatched our I rewatched our video from May sixth today because I wanted to just make sure we weren't redundant and um, wanted to remind myself. And it's amazing how much value I got out of watching it again. Um, but the first question I have for you was in the beginning we talked about all the different critters you have. I had to ask, what is your favorite critter or animal that you own? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, from a utilitarian standpoint. The chickens, because they give me eggs, and I eat a lot of eggs. They're a staple in my, uh, <laughs> in my diet. Um, as far as just straight up, I, I really love our dog. She's just a little sweetheart. She's part collie, part, uh, part yellow lab. So just a happy, smart, super chill dog. We get to go running every morning. and She chases the chickens around the yards and all that stuff. Yeah, we used to have a little pony that was, you know, my wife had gotten it from uh, from a coworker, a friend of hers, and it was a just a, this wonderful little horse. But she died of colic a couple of years ago, so oh, I'm um, that. my my son was very very sad about that. But, I bet. Yeah, that's where the circle of life conversation comes into play, right? So yes, very much so. Then he goes and tells all his friends. Oh, well, my horse died, my other, my one sheep died, and Belle killed this one chicken, and, you know, and his friends were like, oh my gosh. <laughs> isn't, different. Isn't the brutal honesty of children and elderly people absolutely hilarious? And wonderful at the same time. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. I, I have a, I'll tell you a story about my grandpa off, off air here, so afterwards, but just, and just, a, there, you're getting, I'm seeing a little lag on your end there, so I'll try not to over talk you, but if you notice me pausing and waiting just to make sure you're done. Um, okay, sure. But I thought something really cool, we just had Memorial Day, um, and I, I didn't serve in the military, but I'm absolutely thankful for all those who did and have sacrificed the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms. I think freedom of our lives is one of the most important, if not the most important value we ha um, or opportunity we have. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the Memorial Day event that you invited me to, um, but, and then you hosted with your business on, I don't know if it's business related, but just personally on Monday? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, every, every Memorial Day, uh, 
CrossFits and whatever else around the world, around the world, um, military personnel, whatever they do, a workout called Murph. And it's specifically uh, in memory of Lieutenant Michael Murphy, who was a uh, SEAL that was killed in action in Afghanistan. If you ever saw the movie Lone Survivor, he was the guy that went out and exposed himself to get um, to get their air support, their coordinates, right? So um, very much uh, gave his life to, to save, you know, the rest of them. Um, and so his favorite workout was a little workout where he put on his body armor or 20-pound vest or whatever, and he ran a mile, and then he did 100 pull-ups and 200 push-ups and 300 squats, and then he ran another mile. Uh, and so that that kind of has become this this sort of traditional Memorial Day workout to honor the fallen. And so on Monday, we uh, we put we put that together um, here. So you know, obviously we we haven't been able to be in the gym here. This is my this is my gym. Um, we haven't been able to be in here because of COVID, uh, and we haven't really been able to get together. We've been doing our workouts via Zoom in the basement and whatever else. And so this was an opportunity to, to get together to, to do this. And we got permission from the city to use the park as long as we were maintaining our social distance standards and whatever else. And I did a little uh, <laughs> quick, uh, quick and dirty engineering to figure out how to give everybody their own station with either a pull-up bar or a Australian pull-up bar, which is basically like an inverted row. Um, and, and we had a, a great turnout. Everybody was safe. It really kind of went off that pitch. And, you know, at, at the beginning, we always, uh, we always read something or talk about, you know, just, just how, how important that sacrifice is to, to our freedom and to our country and to us as individuals. And uh, I had read an uh, excerpt that I had found from a, a friend of mine who was in the service. Very, very powerful. We play the Star Spangled Banner, and then we go and we, we hit it. Now, of course, everybody doesn't do exactly the same thing. You modify it according to your ability, and you know it, it's just a way to use your effort to to kind of pay homage and to, to honor the fallen. So it, it was a, a wonderful, wonderful thing, and wonderful to get back together and see everybody again. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a really awesome idea. I appreciate you inviting me. I'm uh, sorry I couldn't make it. And I will admit, I probably would need the unmodified track. I'm a pretty active person, but to say I'm endurance was not my strong suit at the current moment. Um, so you said that every year that CrossFit communities do that, how many years have you personally been hosting that event? Um, I, since, since my first year. So that would be five years. This was my fifth year. Okay. Okay. So cool. Very cool. So, um, it's, it's interesting how you, you touched on the emotional side of just seeing people. Uh, I, I keep kind of jokingly correcting people about the social distancing. It's really physical distancing. Um, because I think interaction with human beings, you know, I don't think humans are really built to be isolated. So, um, nope. it's a, it's, it's really, it's a, definitely an awesome thing. I know my dad and I, uh, got a couple, been able to golf a few times and it's just great to see people in person, uh, you know, following the standards and things like that. But so, um, in our last conversation, you know, obviously CrossFit's your, your bread and butter when it comes to business. And, um, you talk a lot about, about even helping people who aren't on the ultimate from, uh, they're not trying to be just like the ultimate strong person, but just trying to feel better. Um, but outside of just organized 
workouts, what are some of your favorite ways to get exercise that you'd recommend to people who just, they want to be healthy, but they don't really feel like they need the structured, I'm getting ripped uh, exercises um, within their life? Absolutely. So I think that the most important and the easiest way for people to, to maintain their health and fitness is through routines. Uh, because really, it's those, those little things that you do every day. It's the consistency over time. That's where, where, the, where the real money is, so to speak, right? Um, if you do a hard work, say you don't do any workouts at all and you do Murph, and that's all you do for the rest of the year, you had a really hard workout, but that didn't, that didn't do much to change your health by itself. It's, it's all the little things that happen throughout the day. And so making sure that you have some basic principles that you're operating from in, as far as nutrition, as far as you know, uh, sleep, as far as where your mindset is, your interactions with other people, um, and your, your movement throughout the day. Uh, so morning routines, evening routines, very important. Uh, so my morning routine, I get up at 4.30 every day. I do, I set a timer for five minutes and you just do kind of like a improv stretch, kind of roll around and uh, you just kind of make sure everything still works, right? And then I go and I run a mile with my dog. It doesn't have to be a fast mile. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to, like if you're going to have a routine, it doesn't have to be a mile. You go for a walk around the block. You just kind of get things moving um, and, and you know, that, that can grow from from wherever you're at. Some days I feel like ripping it and I'll run a fast mile and other days oof, I'm, I need to kind of back off a little bit and that's totally fine. The point is that you go and do that thing every day. You're done with that, have my, my big glass of water, got a little decaf coffee with some cream, I sit down and read, give my brain some good stuff and then I, you know, clean up and get ready for my, for my uh, workouts or whatever else I'm doing gym but inside of that little that little you know half hour 45 minute window i i got up early which is a good thing to get used to because it gives you that time right i stretched out so i i was able to go into different uh, ranges of motion than i normally use throughout the day if you don't use it you lose it so you got to make sure and, and get into those positions uh, I, I got my heart rate up. I went for a run. It doesn't have to be a run. It doesn't have to be a walk. Maybe you want to do some push-ups and squats and sit-ups. Maybe you want to, you know, do a yoke. There's a, there's a million different things that we can do. Go for a bike ride, right? Point is you're getting some activity and you're getting some, some quality movement in. And then, like I say, get back. We're going to handle some of our, our nutritional needs for the day. I got some, um, some water. Some, sometimes I'll and on how it is, I'll have a light breakfast or whatever. Um, and then and start feeding your brain. So you get these little routines that make you feel good and set your day up for a win. And then it makes it so you want to keep doing that routine, right? And over time, like after a month, like you look at how much you've accomplished and it hasn't really affected the rest of your day at all. It's, it's massive. And so figuring out how to set up those routines like that's that's really where where the low hanging fruit is for people. Now, so many people don't want to get up early. <laughs> I hear that a lot, and 
a big part of it is because our sleep is really um, damaged uh, a lot due to just the way that this modern world works. You know, we don't really work that. Our, our system doesn't really jive that great with, with the way we wind up living our life. And so figuring out some evening routines that help you sleep better, improve the quality of your sleep, makes it way easier to get up earlier. So it all kind of piggybacks on top of each other. And then that sleep allows you to learn faster, allows you to recover. Um, it, it changes the way all your insides work. Uh, it, 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 it's a total game changer. Your, your, your ability to digest food goes through the roof when you sleep better because that's where digestion is supposed to happen, right? So setting up a routine to make sure that you're ready to sleep is another great way to just kind of put it all together. So you have a morning routine, an evening routine, and then the stuff that happens in the middle, um, you know, maybe you get a, some kind of workout and maybe not, but those routines are what's going to help move that life forward and keep you going the way that you want to go. It's a little longer answer than I was planning to be, but that's, if I was going to pick the one thing, just pick out some routines. No, it's actually, it's really helpful. I, honestly, when I asked the question, I was expecting you to come up with like specific exercises, but when you think about it and you lay it out that way, it really comes down to the routine, regardless of what's within it, right? And the consistency around it, um, if I heard you right, at least. And I, I remember one time I read something like, it takes 30 days to build a routine, but only like three to lose it. Um, so just that consistency in life of, you know, living the way you want to live and no one can tell you how you should live, but um, right. if you be healthier than keep that in mind. So um, that's really interesting when you think about that. Um, in our last conversation, we, like I, I kind of touched on in the, in the beginning, we focused a lot on the benefits of the physical benefits of exercising, right? I mean, whether it's feeling better, I know you give the example of the lady whose back was all messed up and then she got to the point where she could do squats and walk upstairs without issue, you know, the shoulder issues, there's all these different physical advantages to exercise and in being active. Um, but on the other side of it, can you touch a little bit more or a lot more, however much you want, can you touch more on the mental benefits side, a mental health, mental and mental benefits of being physically active and exercising? Certainly. So that's a, that's a huge rabbit hole. And there's, there's a lot there. Like we have a, an incredibly complex system. And so it, our system is very much dependent on, on how we are, are handling these external pressures, the internal pressures dealing with all the time. And so if you're looking at mental health, you're looking at what sort of, uh, well, like, so the impact of your physical health on your mental health. Uh, one of the big things that people talk about is when they start working out, their confidence goes up, right? And that's a very simple thing to see. Like you're, you're doing work and you're reaping a reward at the end. Maybe you look better. Maybe you feel better. Maybe you start to understand what you're actually capable of, right? I think in the last one, we talked about how it's competence that builds confidence. And so you teach your body that you are more capable and it's going to respond by saying we can handle these situations. Okay? So a shortcut to confidence, which is something where like, I can't just look in the mirror and say, I am more confident. I am more confident. I am the most confident person ever. <laughs> like you can fake it so much, but you can't, you can't BS yourself. You know, like 
your body knows, your system knows. And so when you start proving it and you change this perspective of your system on yourself, that's where it really comes in. And so if we look at that system and we say, the system is really trying to keep our butts alive. What it's trying to do is it's trying to look at what's going on around us and make a prediction about what's going to happen. So it's trying to tell the future, basically, so that we can be prepared for it, so we can survive it. But if you're not, it's the surprises that get you, right? So when it makes a judgment call about what's going to happen, you know, bad, good, whatever, it's, it's trying to figure it out and, and be more and more accurate in the way it makes those predictions. Because the more accurately it can make those predictions, the less surprises there are. Now, when we're not prepared for something, that's where anxiety comes, comes in, right? If you have a big, you know, meeting coming up or you have to do, you have to do something, you just don't feel ready for it, a big life event coming up, um, a big expense maybe, and you, you're not ready for that financially, like, ugh, like that's where anxiety comes in. And so anxiety is there for a reason. People say, oh, I need to get rid of this anxiety. But the reason the anxiety is there is because it's trying to get you to take action to, to be prepared for that problem. Okay, so, so, you know, some people, when they, when they take action by working out, it helps just kind of chill the system out so you can, you can reset and look at it, um, look at it with, with clearer eyes. The way you handle that stress within the workout Makes a, makes a big difference in how you handle stress in the rest of your life. Hmm. If you have a head-on straight in a workout, you can either you can be attacking the workout, right, or the workout can be intimidating. And the way that, that, that you take that workout is going to dramatically change the way your nervous system interprets that pressure. Well, I'm getting in the weeds here. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. I like the information. It, well, it is, and, and it's important to understand how this stuff kind of fits together. So where anxiety is concerned, it's, it's, it's your system trying to drive you to take action to, to get prepared for this situation, right? So that we can survive whatever it is that, that is coming at us. So when, we, when we're exercising, we can practice for, um, for these, these events. Like your, your body doesn't necessarily understand the difference between a bear trying to attack you or a, a meeting with your boss that is, you know, maybe not so good. Or like, prepared for. Yeah, right. It, it's danger, right? Ah. So, <laughs> so when you have this, this stressor, this thing that you have to come against, the way that you've taught your body how to respond to this stress is what you're going to default to. So if, so if you think fight or flight, right? If you tend to get all angry and posture up and really stand up for yourself and stuff like that, that's going to be your default mode. If you, look, if you, you know, are more submissive, you try to avoid this thing, you try to get away from it, that's going to be your default. In your workout, you can actually train yourself to be more on the assertive side because the workout is essentially we are we're, we're providing you with a virtual simulated bear right 
This is a hunt, ideally. If we're hunting, we're in fight mode and we're trying to win. This is a challenge that we've come up against. This is a stress, but we're looking at it as a challenge and we're trying to win this challenge. We're trying to overcome the situation. If we're looking at this as a threat, so two people can look at the same workout completely different. If this, this workout is like, oh, I don't want to be here, I don't want to do this, Ugh, and you approach the workout with that mentality and you're, you're just getting through it, you're just enduring it, you're like suffering through it, now you're kind of teaching yourself that when there's a stressor, you should be in flight because that's the solution. Right. That you're right. Exactly. And that's really what flight is. It's, I don't want to be in this situation. I need to extricate myself. Right. So working out is a, is a great way to simulate these situations so that you can prime your system be, to be prepared to deal with stress. Matter. Okay. So then we go back to anxiety. We've got, this thing that we need to take action against in order to be prepared for this situation. Well, part of that solution might be taking action in an uncomfortable situation, right? To initiate a hard conversation, whatever it may be. If you have practiced like dealing with stress in, in that assertive, proactive way, you're going to be much more likely to actually be able to do that, right? So if you start looking at working out not so much as just like losing weight and, and getting a little stronger or whatever, and you think about it as this is how I prepare this human machine, this incredible machine that we have to do life, right? It, it completely changes the way it hits you. Uh, like, like I think I said in another one, like we, this body is like 200,000 years old. Right? That's how long this thing has been in existence. And the, the environment that it, it evolved in was crazy. Like, you want to talk about danger? Like, we're dodging K-bears and, and hunting woolly mammoths and doing all, you know, rival tribes. There's all kinds of stuff going on. And we were built to survive that. You look at what we have today, it's very different. The, the enemies that we have are not nearly as cut and dry. And they're not nearly as lethal, but our system still thinks that they are. And so understanding that and making sure that our body is confident that we're prepared to handle the situation coming at us, that's where the, that's, that's where the, the real value is um, in, in working out, in exercising, in being healthy. Because the better that system works, the better it's going to be able to serve you. Right. And the more freedom you have to do the things you want to do, right? And that's kind of the big message we talked about last time. Um, I loved what you said earlier in, in that um, explanation. Um, there's no such thing as false confidence, right? Um, in my mind, I, I related that. My dad taught me that many years ago when it came to sports. But just applying that to our own personal lives, too, um, it's amazing how often, whether it's, you know, binge eating, binge drinking, binge watching, um, but just avoiding things we do because we're not confident to address the situation, um, that, that would break you're talking about. So whether it's building that confidence or decreasing that anxiety, I think those are both extremely invaluable points. Um, and one, one thing that I think one of the most, um, I don't know if the taboos is the right way to say it, but one of the most uncomfortable conversations we have in our society today is mental health, right? And depression. And so anxiety is kind of related to that, but 
Can you touch on even just the, the reliefs of extra, it doesn't have to be like CrossFit necessarily, I don't think, but you know, just the reliefs of even being depressed that exercising can have on people and feeling better about themselves and wanting to be excited to get up in the morning rather than wanting to avoid the life that they're living. Right. Okay. So like you said, uh, anxiety and depression are related. And just like anxiety has a function in our system, depression has a function as well. So where anxiety is trying to get us to take action to solve a problem, depression is, getting, is trying to get us to freeze up, right? So if we, if we think about the two ways over here we're talking about solving a problem, the fight or flight, the, the, if those don't work, like if we're being chased by a bear, can't fight the bear, no, that's not going to work. We try to run from the bear, mm, that bear's faster than us, that's not going to work either. The next thing that your body has, the next thing that your system has is to play dead. And so that's to get down on the floor, hide yourself, and don't move. And that's where depression comes in. Because if you're anxious about a problem, and that problem doesn't get solved, and so that action that it's trying to get you to take doesn't solve the problem, it's going to flip you over and say that what we're doing isn't working to get away from this bear. We need to play dead. And so that's why you are paralyzed by your thoughts, you want to hide under the covers, shut yourself away from everybody and everything, and not move. Like, depression is absolutely paralyzing. From top to bottom, um, it, it, it's, a, it's an awful, awful thing. But if we look at it as, the, as it having a function, then you can kind of understand the rules of operation within your body, and you can start to unpack it and figure out how to uh, how to get past it, right? So if we go back to our nervous system as trying to make a prediction about what's going to happen, the first thing it has to decide is whether we're safe or unsafe, okay? And depending on that distinction, it's going to put us in a different sort of mental state to handle the situation. So if it thinks that we're safe, we can be relaxed, hanging out, talking, if it thinks that we are, you know, there's, a, you know, something that we have to deal with, maybe that's where we get into fight mode and we're going to deal with this challenge. If, however, we say this is a threat and we are not safe, now we're shifting down towards flight. Now we're shifting down towards playing dead or freeze mode, right? So if you're stuck in anxiety pushing you towards flight, or you're switching back and forth between anxiety and depression, right? Both of those are under the safe line. Both of those happen when you're feeling unsafe. So one of the biggest, one of the most important things that you can do to help combat that is to try to put yourself, try to tell your system that you're actually safe. There is no bear, right? You are not actually in any danger. And so a lot of ways that people do that. A lot of the exercises out there are breathing exercises. Okay. So if you think about why that is, let's, let's do a couple of these things, right? So if you go, put an angry face on, like you can see, that's a very aggressive yeah. thing, right? If you try it right now, go ahead and do it. <laughs> right? through our mouth. <laughs> like you can, you can feel your, your my body got eyes. hot. My face got red and my body got hot. Like I'm, I actually could feel the tingling in my body. Yeah. Yeah. And How I was laughing while doing it, but even just like the slight doing it, I could feel a difference. 
yeah, just a few breaths and you change your facial setup, you change your posture, you're getting more towards that fight mode. Now, if you go like this and you go, <laughs> you can feel yourself ramping up towards that flight mode, right? It's just, just these little, little things. And so what happens when you're panicked? You're taking those short, fast breaths. You get all kind of crunched up like you're bracing yourself from something. And so you can see that just from those two things, your breathing has a massive effect on, and your posture has a massive effect on how your mental state is. So if we're going to take the state we're in and try to make us safe, what we're thinking about, like if your body thinks there's a bear that's attacking you and you're playing dead and suddenly you sit up and you start taking breaths like this. Well, that bear would eat you, right? Because now we're not playing dead. <laughs> so by continuing to take those nice calm breaths in a nice calm stance or posture you're telling your body that there's actually not a bear there. right so your system basically goes <laughs> i guess we're okay right yeah and so if you can do that it's not going to fix the problem you still have to address what was driving you there at the first but it can get you out of that that uh, that vicious cycle it can get you to a safe place where you can better assess the situation and actually take action to fix the problem so uh, so breathing exercises are are fantastic to talk about a routine um you want to this is one to you can put it anytime but specifically in the evening you think about dropping that that state down that's going to help you sleep so if you want to practice getting yourself into a safe, just kind of chilled out state before you go to bed, this is going to significantly help you get to sleep. Okay, there's other things that you can do with that too. But that, that again, is a good habit to get into. The more we can, we can understand the level of control we actually have in our state, and the more we can take control of that, and the more we can have our body serve us rather than feel like we're just hanging on to your life. So uh, really simple, really, really simple breathing exercise to do is called ocean breathing. You breathe in through your nose, out through your nose. And when you breathe out, you're, you're kind of trying to make it sound like you're going to fog up blast. You're like going, but through your nose. So you go, Nice big breaths. So when you do that, you, you set a timer for two minutes. And you say, the only thing I'm going to worry about right now is just breathing. I'm going to close my eyes, get it nice, relaxed as I can get, nice and comfortable. Just. Don't want to use the timer. You can pick a number, whether it's 10, whether it's 20, 30, whatever. Um, the more you can do that, the more you're going to shift that state. There's a lot of other breathing exercises out there. Big one that I used is Wim Hof, uh, Wim Hof method. Uh, you can Google it. Uh, he does all kinds of crazy stuff, but his whole method is just based on breathing and trying to work with the body instead of fighting your body. Right. So, so when you talk about depression, you talk about anxiety. You can feel so paralyzed. You feel so helpless. 
um, and you just kind of get stuck back and forth. You're never both at the same time because they're driving you in different directions. But when you flip back and forth between the two, the only real way to get yourself back out again is to find a way to get yourself safe. Some other things that can help, like breathing is huge, but forcing yourself to leave your room, call somebody on the phone. Being social, that helps calm you down too. Right? You can go for a walk, movement, changing your environment. That helps too. Because if your system thinks this environment that we're in is unsafe, and you take yourself out of that environment, and you add people to it that you know and love, those are other signals that can tell your system that you're safe, right? So all of those things are difficult to do when you're in the middle of an episode. But again, the more you can practice those things, the more you understand how to use those tools, the more they're gonna be there for you when you need them. Yeah, it makes complete sense. Um, it's kind of, it's funny. So. Uh, and one thing I love about this conversation is when you talk about the fight flight, uh, I won't go into the depression necessarily, but it's funny that you actually were able to create a real life situation because admittedly I've done like 70 plus money, not math conversations and I'm comfortable talking in front of people now. But when you challenged me to like make the faces, I, I, I will admit I got a little like, Oh crap, am I going to be embarrassed? Or like, what are people going to think about me? But who, like, what does it matter? Right? So it's funny how my mind did a quick, evaluation of am I going to lean into this or am I going to run from this like what's my response going to be um so it's really interesting how um how easy it is for someone to get in that that situation but like you said whether it's the exercising or the breathing but the more often you do it the easier it is to lean into it rather than run from it um and because this is money not math I'm going to just do a quick uh kind of uh, outline and then actually ask you a question but in my world, right, I, if I want to relate the fight versus flight versus depression, I'll just leave it at flight as kind of those two being one in the same category. I find for many people who want to be more financially successful, who want to do better financially, who want to save more, who want to achieve their financial goals, they, they have all these wants and, they, and they, they're good and they're great. But unfortunately, the natural nervous system is either to fight it and say, I don't, you know, I don't need that, or I don't agree with you, or, you know, whatever it is, or run from it. I'm embarrassed by my situation. Um, I don't know who to talk to. I don't want people to know where I'm currently at. So I'm going to run from the situation and just hope it gets better. So that I, I find that happening often where people, when they finally do have a conversation, go, wow, that, you know, that, that was really a lot easier than I thought it would be. I'm really glad that I had the conversation because it wasn't as scary as I thought it would be. So from your perspective, you know, I don't expect you to be the expert in my world, but from, you're much more of an expert in the mental health side of things. What advice would you give people, whether it's the financial side or just trying to achieve something new in their lives, whether it's going to the gym for the first time, um, going to their financial planner for the first time or going, whatever it is, something for the first time, what, would, what advice would you give to those people on just taking that first step and even leaning into the vulnerability, as Brene Brown would say, rather than running from it? Right. No, that's an excellent question and, and definitely something that, uh, that, that plays, like you say, across the board anytime we're trying to get into a different sort of situation. So the other, the other side of this whole prediction machine is how those predictions play out in our heads. We tell ourselves stories about what's going to happen all the time. 
if we can accurately predict the future, right, we don't have surprises. And we can minimize surprises, we're much more likely to survive. At least that's how it has always been. Surprise, it can equal death 200,000 years ago, right? A mammoth around the corner <laughs> or something. Right. Ah! <laughs> right? So, so if we're geared that way, and we're, we're always looking, we're, we're, we have this, not just the senses that we're using to make these predictions, but we have this brain that's also trying to figure out what's going on. And so you wind up associating uh, different experiences with, with pain. Maybe you were embarrassed in a certain situation or you felt shame or whatever. And so within that situation, you build a story like, I need to avoid those situations because there's pain there. Like, so you just start doing it. And you have this, these stories that kind of become your pet excuses. Like, you know, for, for working out, there's, there's a million of them, obviously, right? There's a thousand reasons not to work out. Um, a big one that I always hear when it comes to CrossFit is, oh, I could never do that. Right? That's a limiting belief, and it, it completely shuts off um, a whole section of activity or whatever that you can be doing. So, you know, for, for money, it's the same sort of thing. Like, you look around, and it may look like everybody is super successful. Everyone has more money look at the nice cars they're driving, look at the nice house they have. They must have the successful business they have. So you get these stories in your head and you don't want to look like the one in the tribe that is at the bottom of the totem pole because that was not a good place to be in our, in our longer history, right? That's a good way to get picked on, to get shut out of the tribe, to get your stuff taken away. Like who knows, right? So there's danger in, in feeling like you're, you're lower in that, in that social hierarchy. And the truth is that that doesn't happen anymore. Like there is no real lethal um, uh, consequence to being in a tough state money-wise. But unless we walk through that story and we say, okay, What's the worst that can happen? Why do I believe it this way? Why is this the way that I'm understanding the situation? Why am I not doing this thing when I know that it's actually what I need to do to solve this problem? Why am I letting this block? And you walk through and you start picking it apart. You ask these questions, you turn it upside down. You say, okay, so if I don't do this, what's going to happen? This, this path is going to lead to a lot more pain actually. If I do this, what's the worst that can happen? Um, people might make fun of me for being, you know, in a tight spot for making stupid decisions. You know, that's, I mean, there's a lot of things that we do that we, we know that we shouldn't do. And then we wind up creating these messes for ourselves. And we, it, it's, a, it's a tough spot to be in. And it, it can be embarrassing. But like you say, it's, it's talking to a financial planner. It's talking to somebody who has the skills to, to help you out. Like if you're in pain, talk, going, seeing a physical therapist, coming to see me, whatever it winds up being, there's a problem and you need it fixed. Talking to the people that know how to fix it is the way through it. 
But if you set that wall up and you don't let yourself go because of X, Y, Z excuse, it's never going to get better. And then it's just going to cause that anxiety to go to the roof. Right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the real battle with everything is between the ears. And, and the more you, you can be aware of what's going on in your brain, in your heart, in your body, um, and, and question why those are there, like, where is that pain coming from that I'm trying to avoid? Like, was I embarrassed that I didn't have enough money when I was in fourth grade to buy a thing at the concession stand when everybody else was? Like, I mean, there's these silly little things that your, your nervous system will latch onto. Like, this is something we need to remember in the future. <laughs> um, and, and you do enough digging and you find those and you, you just take them apart. You got to get rid of them. And then you replace it with asking for help actually will get me what I need. And it will be a good thing. That's how I actually avoid pain. Whatever, right? Um, I'm no expert in this. I've got a lot of these things myself that I'm working through all the time. But that's the only reason that I can talk about. It. Because, you know, same with, with physical health. A lot of these things that, that I've dealt with are things that I've, you know, these are problems that I've come up against and I've had to solve, either for me or for someone else. Um, and that's, that's really the root of it. You have to figure out where, where this story is in order to get past it. Absolutely. So it's just walking through and kind of being, being honest with yourself and having that conversation, if I heard you right, and um, understanding. To a certain extent, it's just saying, who gives a crap what other people think? This is what's going to be best for me. At least that's the way I say it to myself. Um, sure. So in going back a little ways, you mentioned the relation. So when you're talking about getting, you know, if you're feeling anxiety or depression, like, talk to people, have conversations. I know in the past, I think you mentioned it briefly in our last conversation, the blue zones, right? And I know relationships is one of them. Could you dive more into the blue zones that so specifically impact our lives from, a, from a, not only just a happiness standpoint, from a longevity standpoint and how long we live? Certainly. Okay. So, so when they talk about blue zones, these are the places in the world that have the highest uh, percentage of people that live to be over a hundred, right? These incredibly long-lived societies. And there's a few of them out there, right? Yeah. And, and they find that there are common denominators. Um, the five common denominators that uh, they generally wind up seeing, um, their relationships, the depth of their relationships is massively important. Um, their mindset, like they're not stressed out about stuff. If you talk about being safe or unsafe, these people have got the whole safe thing figured out. Like, <laughs> we're going to be fine. But you talk about like, cortisol and all the stress and all this stuff, like, get rid of it. <laughs> that is killing you. That is way more dangerous than whatever you're stressing. Really. So your relationship, your mindset, all that, uh, they sleep right? <laughs> they actually let their body do the important work of restoring itself and maintaining their body. Um, their nutrition, they, they may come as a, as a shock, but they don't uh, eat the standard American diet. Um, now, there's a, there's a huge 
array of different sort of cuisines out there. You talk about, oh, this, they have this much protein and this much carb and this much fat. That doesn't really matter that much. We are omnivores. We can survive on boot leather for months, right? Like we are like the ultimate survivors. We, we are so good at surviving stuff, okay? But the problem comes when we have a bunch of junk that's available to us that, that totally derails our system. That's, that's where the standard American diet, that's where all the sugar and all this other crazy stuff that we're putting in our body that never existed <laughs> 100 years ago. Um, but it tastes good. <laughs> I know, right? It does. Ah. And, you know, those people in the blue zones, it's not like they weren't drinking wine or smoking, right? Or having sugar when they could get it. But generally speaking, this is a much lower calorie diet. Like they're not eating to the point where they're stuffed all the time. They're not eating more than they need to do what they need to do with their life. Right? And we say, oh, yeah, food is fuel. Okay. If food is fuel, then why are we continuing to fill our gas tank when we're not driving? Right? Or filling our gas tank with sugar when the car runs on gasoline. <laughs> that too. <laughs> yeah. So, so the nutrition side is, is massively important, but it doesn't have to be that complicated. Like, you want to make nutrition complex, it's easy to do. You Google What's the best nutrition, like, I'm sorry, but you're going to get a million bajillion results. There's, this is crazy. So there's 50,000 new books on diet and on like nutrition and health published every year in this country. 50,000 new books a year. <laughs> right? There's not that much new information. No. It's, it's, you know, it's mostly spin. Right? But you, you can see like, people trying to solve this problem. They're like, oh my gosh, you know, what, why, where do I start? And the, the devil's in the details, but you know, one of the key, one key concept is that the principles are few, the methods are many. If you understand the principles, you can make your own methods, right? And so that, that kind of goes with, with the whole thing. We have, we have this adaptation machine, it's incredible. Uh, if we abide by the rules that govern our nature, that's how we get this, this body to do what we want it to do. Um, There's a great quote along that line that, that really kind of sums that up. Uh, Sir Francis Bacon, he said, nature in order to be commanded must first be obeyed. Right? So when we don't obey the natural laws that govern our body, that's where we run into disease. That's where we run into, into these problems. Um, and so these people in the blue zones, they're keeping their nutrition very simple, and they're obeying the natural laws of their body. They're connected enough to their body to understand you know, what, it, what it feels like to eat something that feels that is good for you versus eating something that doesn't work that great for you. Right? They're connected enough to their system to feel the signals. If you don't feel the signals and you're eating junk food, your signals are jammed. It's still, it's still hurting you. Just because it doesn't feel like it's hurting you doesn't mean it's not hurting you. Right? So, and then let's see, yeah, the fifth one is movement. 
These people are not, uh, some of them are extremely active. You, you find um, societies that are running all the time, all over the place, not necessarily like sprinting <laughs> stress likewise, but they, that's just how they get around, right? These people on average are walking like nine miles a day, just doing their daily thing. Wow. And, and so like they're active, they're moving. It's not necessarily anything super crazy, but they're fit to the task and they're bopping around and, you know, they're, they're just having a good time going to visit their buddies and have some wine and, you know, eat a little bit of this and a little bit of that. You know, they don't worry about it. That's, that's the key, right? And so many of us are like, oh, there's, a, there's an old story where, you know, guy's taking a vacation and uh, he goes down to the seaside and sees this, this little fisherman. And this guy's kind of a hot shot business guy. So he goes and talks to this fisherman and says, well, you know, you could do all these things to in increase your fishing business and, and, you know, you make all this money. And, you know, so the fishing fisherman is saying, well, okay, well, why would I want to do this? And essentially, you know, he goes through this whole big process. Well, you know, then you could, you know, relax on the beach whenever you want. And the fisherman is like, dude, what do you think I'm doing right now? <laughs> you know, <laughs> fishing. I'm relaxing. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> so, this 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 sort of um, perspective around our lives, and like on the one side, yes, we we want to be able to achieve something. We want to be able to create impact. But if we kill ourselves in the process, um, we're kind of losing sight of the of the of the aim in the first place. Anyway, that's, that's kind of where the, a quick kind of summary of what that, that whole Blue Zone study is all about. Uh, it's, it's very counter to, to our modern life here in, in America, really. And I think there's a lot of lessons that we can, we can take from that, just in terms of, of simplifying things. And really, this whole quarantine situation, um, you know, it kind of forced us to slow down. and you know, there's a lot of really rough, tough things that are coming out of this. Uh, and so I'm not trying to um, bring it down or whatever. But if there's any sort of silver lining at all, it's, it's that we get people to stop and take a look at what's happening and, and, and reevaluate the things that are important and how they want to structure their life. One, you know, this has caught a lot of people unprepared. Talk about surprises that are lethal. Like this is a this is one of those things that that were, you know, it's been tough, really tough to say the least for a, for a lot of businesses for a lot of people. Um, and it really exposes a lot of the gaps that we've been been allowing uh, within our system. And so, you know, some lessons that we can learn from that is that we can we can <laughs> one try to make our businesses um, you know, more stable to, to be able to weather storms like this and make our, our family life more stable to be able to weather storms like this, to be able to actually be home and be present with, with our wives and children or you know, whatever, like to be more connected to people. Like it's really easy to take it for granted that you can just go meet up with a friend for coffee anytime you want. Well, now we know what it's like when you can't. Yep. So 
there's there's a lot there that if we take a step back and we, we look at it, this is a huge opportunity for us to, to really restructure our lives um, and, and, and model it in a way that is actually going to get us get us closer to what we want now. Absolutely. Just go from out on the beach. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So to make sure I heard you, all five of them. So it, the blue zones, it was movement. No, I just wrote, because like, obviously recaps important. Make sure I heard you right. But movement, um, ment, a mental mentality, right? Your mental kind of outlook mindset. on life. Uh, yep. Mindset, yeah. that, And then relationships, nutrition, and sleep. Yes, sir. Right? All right. So it's yeah, it's amazing when you think about like, how, how, um, when you kept talking, the more and more, and the more and more thing that kept popping in my head was the fact that the United States of America, as far as I'm aware, has the most advanced medical system in the world. And yet for the first time, I think in a, like ever, our actual life expectancy went down the last couple of years because how many people are moving, how many people are putting get actual fuel in their bodies versus not fuel. I like the analogy you use, why are you putting fuel in a car that's not running? Um, and it's just, you know, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to shame anyone. I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad by that watches this, but it's just, it's making me reevaluate like how, like are, how many things are we doing for ourselves versus doing because we think we're supposed to, because everyone else is doing it. Right. And it's just, it's really, it's an interesting concept that um, I think it's only in, in, in on that we're also seeing depression skyrocket, we're seeing, you know, obesity skyrocket. We're seeing a lot of these things that are somewhat preventable go up, and yet we have the most advanced medical system in the world. And right. um, I'm not going to get an argument about it right now, but I don't think it helps that um, for, for quite a long time, the uh, solution to everything was here's a pill, and here's a pill for that pill, when really we might have just been better off going for a 30-minute walk every day. Um, right. but I'll get off my uh, kind of high horse of responding, responding there. Um, we talked about as far as actionable items that people that take the time to watch this and to involve and um, take, watch this conversation can take or listen. Um, so you talked about building routines, right? Regardless of what's in the routine, just have a routine morning and night. Um, and ho hopefully exercise is part of the routine. Um, but um, breathing exercises. So those are the two I can think of off the top of my head. So what other um, actionable items do you think, would you recommend to people to take away from this that they can implement in their own lives um, to just feel better, be better, and be happier and um, moving forward? Right. So one of the biggest, well, I think the most important thing that we talked about is just that awareness and having the courage to question what's, what's going on um, and, and just really understanding that that in order for this whole system to work, we got to understand what's going on up here. We got to understand what's going on here. We got to understand what's going on with the rest of this thing. And your body, it's got a lot of signals that it's trying to tell you stuff, right? Probably the biggest signal that we, we feel right now is just a sugar craving, right? That's, <laughs> that's the biggest thing people probably feel. Um, and again, not saying that in a shame sort of a fashion, like that's, that's real life. Um, but there's so much else that's, that's going on. And the more we give our body some space to, to create those signals and listen to those signals, and act on those signals, the more we can get everything working together. Now, the one other thing I did want to hit on before we, before we closed was uh, another actionable thing. 
was posture. Now, posture is not a sexy topic by any means, right? Nobody's like, oh man, I heard this guy who was going to talk about posture. Oh, I can't wait. I've never heard anybody say that before. But when it comes to just pain, that's, that's really at the root of most of it, right? When people come in my door with pain, the first thing that I'm helping them to do is try to figure out how to line those bones back up and reteach your body how to hold itself in a position that doesn't result in pain. Okay, so, so a big part of where that pain's coming from is you've got muscles that are kind of holding our bones together, right? And if our bones are kind of lined up in the wrong spot, the bones don't get to hold the load, right? You're putting pressure on the edges of joints in your back or whatever, and this load winds up going into the joint instead of on the, on the bones. And that creates a lot of extra tension there that doesn't belong there. And so, you know, to keep it really simple, you just figure out how to get rid of that tension, rebalance the tension across those joints, get it so that it's comfortable to be in a, in, in a, in a neutral position, how we say it, and in a good postural position. Uh, that, that's really where you want to be in order to get rid of that, that pain. If you can do that, if you can talk to your body and tell it to reorganize itself and teach it to reorganize itself so that if the tension is going where it belongs, the pain goes away. And so there's, there's a lot that kind of goes into that, but the root of the whole thing is just good standing posture. And you can apply it to sitting, you can actually apply this to sleep, you can apply it to walking, all that stuff uh, is, it all plays. But essentially what you're doing, you say, my bones are the load-bearing structure. And it's supposed to hold my load vertically, right? Because I'm fighting gravity. So it's like building a block tower. So if I can line up on my bones like a block tower so that my bones can hold weight, it takes the pressure off of my joints, off of my muscles, and other sort of connective tissue. So the process that we use to kind of get ourselves lined up, we call it neutral spine. Um, this is also going to come into play as far as like uh, building good, good technique, good form um, in, in various exercises. This is, this is kind of the root of, of, uh, of movement. Um, position and tension, those are the two things that you need in order to create a state. I'm gonna walk through neutral spine really quick. Um, if you want to stand up and do it, Drew, you sure can. Uh, but for anybody watching, this is where you get to stand up, and we're going to just walk you through this little sequence. We're going to, we're going to line up your bones. So I've done it. I did it once with you, but I'll do it again. Perfect. It's, this is a, a very deceptively simple exercise, but, man, does it, does it make a huge difference if you can get this up. All right, so I got my feet. They're about hip width. They're pointed straight ahead. It's like my car tires. I don't want my car tires pointed out like this, right? I want my wheels pointed straight ahead. So, got that. Next, I'm going to shift my weight back onto my heels and unlock my knees. Now, my knees aren't bent, but if you lock them straight and then just unlock them so they're soft, that's the idea. So my weight's back on my heels. Knees are soft. And I go to my hips. 
you think about what's going on with your hips, your back and everything up here sitting on top of your hips. So if your hips are tilted, either forward or backward, all this stuff is going to be out of, out of alignment, right? Most of the time, because we sit a lot, our hips are going to be tilted forward. So what I want to do is I want to just try to figure out where the lever is. So if that's the case, I'm going to squeeze my butt, kind of rock my hips back. You want to think about the extreme, you can think like Steve Urkel. Right? I don't know if anybody ever remembers Steve Urkel. Hey, man. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we want to get, that, get those hips rocked back so that they're level. If you're wearing a belt, I think like the belt is level with the ground. If you're imagining your hips in a big coffee cup, I'm not spilling any coffee. So just getting lined up on our bones of our legs and getting your hips leveled out, that changes the way all this stuff feels down below, right? Uh, and then but so for- Can I ask a question before we move on? Is it normal that I feel like I'm like flexing my leg muscles to stand this way because I don't normally stand this way? Okay, so when you say leg muscles, are you talking the front of your thighs or are you using- Like around my knees. Yeah. So I'm like forward, not like this, you know? So if you think about your muscles like rubber bands and you start pulling back on your hips, uh, it's going to lengthen the muscles in the front of your thighs, right? And if those muscles are really tight, they're gonna really try to resist that. It's like pulling on a, on a rubber band that's already tight. Ideally, we can be in this position, we can have our, our hips level and our quads, the front of our thighs, are completely relaxed. So if they're not, if you can't get them to let go, then you know that there's some excess tension, right? A good way to think about it is you can make your kneecaps dance while you're standing there. So if you can flex your thigh on and off, then you know that they're off, right? <laughs> but if they're locked up tight and the kneecaps don't move, then you know that your thighs are off. It's kind of a funny little exercise, but that's, that's I guess, if you're looking for a standard that you're trying to hit, you want to get those, hip, those hips nice and light, and then you want to be able to dance those kneecaps. Um, if you were going to work on it, say your kneecaps were locked up, if you simply pivot at the hip and create some slack here, or even sit back against a wall or whatever, and then try and turn your quads on and off so you can kneecaps dance. Much easier. Right. And so... What you do then is you start standing up slowly and keep dancing them, dancing them, dancing. You figure out what point you're, the tension is so great you can't do it. And that's kind of the edge. So then you get to kind of work on that edge and try and relax. Something to kind of play. So, good question. <laughs> okay. So, quick recap. We got our feet straight ahead. We're back on our heels. I got my knees unlocked so they're nice and soft. Uh, I've got my weight back on my heels. I think about that. I'm going to rock my hips back so that they're nice and low. Now, moving up the chain, I want to get my rib cage leveled out to my hips. So a good way to kind of approximate that, I'm going to make a box with my hands. I go one hand palm up right under my belly button, the other palm down right under my sternum. And so I make this little box. If I pull my belly button in, I close the box. If I point my chest, I open the box. I do a little bit of both, try to get my hands to line up nice and even. You can sense that my ribs are pretty well stacked on top of my hips. If your hips are a coffee cup and your ribs are a coffee cup, a coffee cup, you could go and it would fit together perfectly. Right? That's kind of how we're trying to get this set up. Okay, so if I'm there, we've got 
probably use my butt a little bit to keep my hips where it is, my belly button in a little bit, and pulling up my chest. I'm gonna go to my shoulders next. So if I kind of rock my shoulders back, pull my elbows in, rotate my arms out, relax them down, that's where my shoulders belong, okay? So that's a nice, even position back here. Now where most people's are, because we're stuck on computers or phones, they're here, right? And all this is pulled down. Get back here, you can see that that's much more stacked. Now, the last piece is your head. Again, with the whole computer thing, we get our necks out like this. If you, if you uh, think about, um, you may know some elderly ladies or whatever, this is sort of a typical thing where they get hunched over. Yep. That, that comes from this chin being out here for 40, 50 years. Okay, that, they started just as straight as you and I, and when this comes forward, their body has to adapt to that leverage on their neck. Okay, so you want to avoid having that hump on the back of your neck. You want to avoid that, that problem. This is where we need to be. So I'm going to take my chin and pull it straight back so my ears are even with my shoulder. At first, it may feel like right in a big, like a double <laughs> chin has to disappear into your neck. But that's because you, the bones of your neck have been reorganized so that they're straight out like this, right? And so you're actually running into all this stuff in the front of your neck. The more you get those bones to reorganize where they belong, restore that curve in your neck, like you can go way back and you're not going to have that, that double chin effect. Okay, so um, that's something that, like, if you're feeling that, like, it does go away. When I first started working with my posture, like, my chin disappeared into my neck. I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> um, but you see, your body learns. body is always trying to adapt. Now, with that whole posture thing, the more discomfort you feel, like, that's where those tense spots are. Like, you can feel like it's tight here. So you know that this is this tight. You need to open this stuff up, stretch this out. So that feels natural. If my neck doesn't feel right, I need to teach my neck to go where it belongs, right? Your body wants to be there, but the big thing, like, is it's trying to adapt to the situations that it is dealing with all the time. If you're always in this position, it says, well, we need to get better at this position, right? So the more you can take control of those positions and use this position instead, the more your body is going to respond and it's going to rebalance itself. Like I said, this is a major part of how I help people get out of pain. It seems too simple, um, but that's really where the power is. You get your body back to where it functions properly, and it works properly. That's, that's kind of the thing. Wow. So, so well, as far as habit or routine or something actionable that, that go with this, this is where you put this into your day. If you have a timer or something that goes off every half hour, hour, you know, just a little trigger. Every time I get up to go get water or go to the bathroom, you get into this neutral spine position. You don't have to hold it all day or whatever, but if you, you know, stay there for a minute or two and then, you know, you go about your business and you lose it, fine. But then that trigger comes around again and you go right back into it. The more you can attach it to a trigger, 
the more time you can spend in that position during the day, the more that body's going to change. If you can do this for like a minute, 10 times a day for a week, this feels different. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. So, well, that, yeah, no, absolutely. For, for anyone who's still with us, I absolutely, <laughs> we're over an hour and I've been into it the whole time, but you know, hopefully everyone else is too. Um, if I can stand up in front of the camera and embarrass myself by making faces with Tate and fixing my posture, which is clearly messed up because my knees are tight and my shoulders and neck are way forward from sitting at my computer all the time, you can too. Um, so before I, I do, I, we do need to get going. I know I got to get going. I'm sure Tate, you got stuff to do. Is there anything else that you feel like we didn't cover yet that you just got to get out there? Um, for anyone who's still with us today and has found value from this conversation. I'm mentally like putting my head back. Cause I just realized like my head's way forward. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, you know, it comes back to awareness and, and trying to work with your body rather than just buying into the things that we do in our daily life that work against our body. The more you can identify those things and scale them back pivot them to things that work with you, the more this thing is just going to, the more your body is going to be able to serve you and, and, and allow you to do the things that you want to do. Uh, well, the one other actionable thing is go outside. Go outside, go outside, go outside, go outside, and go outside. Get outside as much as you can. All right? That's what we're built for. We, we, didn't, we didn't come down living in houses and sleeping in beds, right? Like, we're not built for that. I'm not saying you have to ditch your house and ditch your bed, but the more you can expose yourself to the elements, the more you can let yourself be uncomfortable for a little while, get some sunshine, go for a walk in the rain. Just because it's raining doesn't mean you can't go outside. Just because it's snowing or cold or hot doesn't mean you can't go outside. If your air conditioning is broken, it's okay. We didn't have it for 200,000 years, all right? We're going to be fine. Like, we have to <laughs> take a step back and understand that we are built for a way harsher environment. It's okay to be uncomfortable. In fact, that's how you learn. So. Right <laughs> to you, by the way. Until you did the posture, I didn't realize you were standing this entire time. Um, I actually thought you were sitting because you were so still. Um, so <laughs> I have one short question and then, we're, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. Sure. So, and when I was in college, one of my good friends, he was a gymnast, and as in my opinion, gymnasts, their, their like weight to strength ratio is probably above and beyond anyone else. Um, he said that laying on your back flat on the floor, like at least once a week, is I think something like this was like extremely good for you because it aligns your back. So mm -hmm. are pillows like a huge scam? Because to me, it's like pushing your head forward, and you're not actually yes. aligning yourself. <laughs> yes. So... <laughs> um. So when you talk about being in other, other positions other than standing and where neutral spine comes in, that all plays too. So if you are sleeping in a position where you're in a soft bed and you're sunk like this and you've got three pillows under your head, you are practicing this position for six, eight hours or however long you're sleeping, right? Just because you're not aware of it doesn't mean your body's still not adapting, right? So the position that you sleep in matters now sleeping in a bed on your back or whatever on your side even on your stomach as long as you can get closer to that neutral position that's fine um, but again we were built to sleep on the rocks on the ground 
okay? <laughs> like, and, and, you know, I really like to sleep on the floor without a pillow. And if you can't sleep on the floor without a pillow, one, it's probably because you're out of alignment. And two, it's, so if you've ever gone camping, uh, like the first few nights, like you're really sore when you wake up because your bones wind up being in different positions uh, that they're not used to being. Yeah. Right. That's a good thing. Like that's, you're actually practicing movement, these small movements while you're sleeping. You think back to, again, like cavemen, whatever. We don't all have to be cavemen, but we can learn a lot from cavemen, right? Or from the things that they had to, had to go through. Um, it's not that they, like, we're not built to sleep in one position for eight hours and not move and be in this pillow of comfort where you can't even feel the world around you. <laughs> Your nervous system is still on. It's still trying to sense what's going on around it. And so if suddenly everything's soft and it can't feel any real pressure, it actually makes it harder for your nervous system to calibrate what's happening because it takes, it takes that sort of, um, it takes some sort of pressure to calibrate that, that system. So just like if you're standing on one foot, if you're all over the place, your brain is trying, your system is trying to figure out where that center of gravity is so that it can keep you upright. And the more you practice that, the better you're calibrated and the more you can stand there and not move, right? So there's a lot of different systems in our body that, that need calibrating. Our internal thermostat, you know, uh, keep our lives at 72 degrees. We're not built for that, you know, but if we get, if our, if that, if it gets to be 76 degrees or 67 degrees, we're too cold or too hot, and we have to change, have to change it. Like, that's, that's a problem with, with that system, right? That's a, uncomfortable. Going back to sleeping. Sorry, this is getting <laughs> long, but it's, it's important. Um, Get yourself in a good position. Again, don't be afraid to be uncomfortable. If you find yourself, if you try to lie in your bed and, you know, either get rid of your pillow or whatever, it's very uncomfortable. Well, then you know you need to kind of work your way up to being flat. Okay? So if you try, if you're used to using three pillows and you go to no pillow, your neck is going to be really, really sore. <laughs> if you even are able to sleep like it's not going to be good take one pillow out do two pillows instead see what your low back is doing if your back hurts in your bed try putting a rolled up sweatshirt underneath your low back right try tipping your hips so that they're neutral before you go to sleep so that you can spread that spine out your friend that was a gymnast talking about spreading spreading out on the floor absolutely the whole point of that is to line up those bones, right? The other side is that your bones aren't actually loaded when you're on the floor. You're loading them, you're lo you're loading them on the floor. And so part of that is that your, your muscles don't have to support your load. And getting them to relax 
and let go so that they can shift in a safe way. Like having that floor there gives that system the idea that, that it's safe to let go. That helps them, those bones move, uh, move back to where they belong better. You should be able to lie down on the floor completely outstretched and tip your, your hips back so that your low back is on the ground too. A lot of people can't do that. I can't. But that's, yeah. And so that's, that's something that is worth practicing because, you know, you talk about one of the biggest problems where pain's concerned is low back, right? And the number one thing that you can do is to get those hips set, right? Get those, get that neutral spine. Because if you think about what's going on, all right, we're going to illustrate this really quick. Stand up, Drew. We got one more thing to do. <laughs> okay, let's get ourselves close. Go ahead and get back on your heels, unlock those knees, shift your hips back. So that's where you unload that low back, right? You're setting up that those hips so that now your low back doesn't have to be have to be tilted. Now I want you to take your hips, take your body weight, push them out past your toes, and just keep going. Where does all the stress go? Lower back into your lower back. So if your hips are tilted forward all the time, you're crawling on your low back all the time. So, if, I mean, there's a lot of ways to stand like this. If you have your knees locked out and you stand like this, I'm kind of exaggerating, but there's a lot of people that stand like this. That's a problem. So having your knees locked can lead to this. You know, if you ever hang out with contractors or farmers and stuff, they wind up getting into this position a lot more, they kind of sling into their low back, right? Yep. And, and that does the same thing. A lot of those guys have low back problems. And a huge part of it is just how they're, how they're lining themselves up. So, um, yes, pay attention to how you're lined up when you're sleeping. You don't need a pillow. You don't actually need a bed. If you want to get rid of your bed, you can. You have my permission. You can sleep on the floor. Um, <laughs> you don't have to. Would it be good for you to get used to sleeping on the floor? Yeah. Try it for a week. Try it for a night. If it's really, really uncomfortable, you know, you got some work, use it as a little test from time to time. It's not going to kill you, right? So. <laughs> yes, I'm going to you have to going. Do you sleep with a pillow? Sometimes. Sometimes. But, right. so. but, but here's why. So. <laughs> you so yes wife, or no. It's impossible to wife, know yes or no. <laughs> That's okay. Let's finish. I'm curious. My wife sleeps with a fan, uh, and I don't like uh, having a fan blasting on me. So I actually sleep on my side, and I have the pillow there so that my head can be lined up. Right? So otherwise, I'm cranked like this. And that's not right. So you put a pillow under there, and you have your head propped so that it can be nice and level. And you can level everything else out. Cool. Fine. As long as you're getting toward that neutral position when you're sleeping, that's the biggest thing. Okay? That's where you're practicing neutral spine while you're sleeping. So to clarify, for anyone who thinks you're crazy for telling them to sleep on the floor without a pillow, you're saying if you lay on your back. But if you lay on your side, it's actually better to have something there to hold your head up. So I sleep on the floor without a pillow um, on my side as well. But with that, <laughs> so you're going to find, Drew, after you have your child, that you're going to have to camp out sometimes. <laughs> um, 
sometimes for an extended period of time, extended, you know, maybe months. And so it's a really good time to practice these sort of things. But <laughs> so I spent some time in Africa and one of the things that I learned there is how, how they sleep because they, the, the houses that they live in for the most part, the villages are maybe, you know, eight, 10 feet by eight, 10 feet. And they're, sticks and cow manure with a you know thatch rough or whatever like that's those are the building materials they have is down the desert and so they'll they'll sleep on their sides typically and they'll have one hand under their head and their other hand will be between their knees have their knees up like this so that kind of keeps that space between their knees that keeps their hips in the right position and so if you lie down on the floor and you think about that you can kind of curl up you can get into a relatively comfortable comfortable position and you can sleep like that you might have to shift a little bit from time to time that's okay um it's one more one more thing to uh <laughs> to consider absolutely all right so i kept you for 20 plus minutes longer than i thought we were, i was going to um i love the conversation but that's a really long time for anyone to maintain attention so i promise uh for anyone who got this far I will release the whole video and then I will break it up over days to come and put snippets out there if you just want to watch parts. Um, and I hate to ask, but I have to. For anyone who takes the time to watch these, please, please, please don't hesitate or actually please do if you found value, like, comment, or share. Um, I don't like to ask, but it's with the way the algorithms work on social media, it's the only way for the valuable information Tate's provided us to be seen by more people. Um, if no one likes shares or comments, it basically is only seen by 10 people. Um, so please do that. If you've gotten this far in the conversation, we really do appreciate it. Um, I know I love this. I've loved the value of the information I've, I've received today and I hope um, a lot of other people have too. Um, Tate, thank you so much for, you know, your time. I will uh, continue to enjoy challenging myself to improve myself individually um, as well as continue. I'll enjoy uh, continuing the conversation with you on many different uh, categories going forward. Um, that's all I have for you today. I don't know if you have anything last, last comments. Um, but otherwise I'll let you go. Yeah. So on the dislike share thing, like it is hard to ask for that stuff, but really like the greatest compliment that you can give somebody that's trying to put out material like that is to take the time to like comment, share. Um, it's, it's, it's a simple thing to do and it, and it really makes a big difference. Like, like Drew was saying, to, to get things out there and, and to just make it, you know, it takes a lot of work. Like 70 plus shows that Drew has been putting out here and he talks about a lot of things that are very, very useful to a lot of people. And, and just having that engagement is so crucial to being able to keep going. Um, and so, you know, if you want to keep seeing more, like this guy's stuff because it's gold. And, and share it, share with your friends, talk about it. It's, a, it's important to talk about these things that Drew's bringing up. So thank you, Drew. It was a pleasure as always to uh, hang out and uh, looking forward to chatting again with us. Absolutely, Tate, thanks a, thanks a bunch. I hope you have a great rest of your day. You too, brother. Bye.